Welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. Great having you with us. And it's a pleasure to welcome Jessica Blumenthal and Talia Cullinan from ENS Africa to the show today. And we want to look at something a little bit different, but you know, really pertinent to the financial services space, which is the ESG investing advice story. Are people getting the right advice as investors and as the market when it comes to ESG, which is all the rage at the moment, everyone talking about it. But let's delve into what the law actually says about that advice. Um, and so it's evolving very fast. Of course, ESG, every second page in the newspaper really is, is looking at certain of these factors from an investment perspective. But is the advice industry keeping up? Thank you. And thanks very much for having us on the podcast. Um, certainly the discussion has tipped over into the mainstream and I think you can't you can't find a boardroom or a dining room table where it's not hardly being mm. discussed. I think essentially investors and savers can be divided into two separate camps um, and perhaps overlapping camps. There are those who are increasingly becoming aware of how E, S and G factors, so that's environmental, social and governance factors, how these factors have the potential to affect the long-term financial returns of their investments. And those investors are starting to ask questions as to whether the funds or financial products in which they are invested are actually taking these factors into account. Those are perhaps, that's perhaps the more mainstream group of investors. Then there are those who feel ethically compelled to ensure that their capital is aligned with their values. Those people who recognize the urgency or the quantum leap of change, as some would call it, that's necessary for the global community to start living within planetary boundaries and decarbonizing to try to lessen the effects of global warming. And those people equally are pushing and starting to ask their advisors to have discussions with their advisors so that they can be assured that their investments meet their needs of aligning their capital with their values. So both these groups of investors are very much interested in um, getting this kind of advice from their, their trusted intermediaries when, when placing investments. And this is difficult, I think, for the advice industry who have not perhaps previously been required to engage with ESG factors in the same way that the asset management industry, for example, has been. Yeah, and I think awareness is also shifting. You know, you've got these investors looking at long-term sustainability and very much the emerging risks around that space, but also you have these opportunities as these investments uh, grow in value and, and, you know, are we seeking out those opportunities? Is, is that a fair reflection? Absolutely. I mean, there is an opportunity component to this as well. And that's something that a good financial advisor will be able to advise clients on, um, ensuring that their clients are invested in fund managers who are alive to both the risks and the opportunities related to sustainability and ESG factors. So do you think there's still a gap between this kind of advice and the needs of clients to align their portfolios um, with their values? Yes, we actually do believe that there is a gap in advice relating to ESG and sustainable investing. Um, on the one hand, or the one reason is simply because some advisors and clients do not believe that ESG or sustainable investing will provide the expected returns on their investments. And so they prefer to have their money invested into investments that regardless of the ESG policies will provide the monetary return desired. Um, and that you know, speaks to Jess, what Jessica just mentioned about the, you know, the ethical um, narrative or reasoning behind that. And this links to the second reason, which is that most people, you know, being advisors and financial customers, 
um, in that case, do not necessarily understand ESG or sustainable investing. And where there's a lack of understanding, there's often a lack of skill and knowledge. As a result, financial advisors will not be able to talk to their, their clients or have a discussion with them and, and advise them on what it means to sustainably invest or make ESG investments. And this is regardless of whether the financial customers have requested that type of advice or not. Some investors may not even raise the possibility to make ESG investments at all. Um, And when clients would like to make, especially when clients would like to make long-term investments, it should be that advisors are able to talk to their financial customers on the long-term prospects of the assets. Uh, And this this would involve considering and discussing the ESG factors or metrics surrounding the assets with their clients. Um, essentially, the advisor is the link between the investment and the financial customer. And so it is. it would be, you know, uh, appropriate for an advisor to be able to unpack that with their clients. Yeah. I think but, that, that point, sorry, even that, sure. that point that Talia is making there around the advisor being the link between both the financial products that are being developed by product houses to take ESG into, factors into account or to be a sustainable investment option. Those, those products can be quite overwhelming mm-hmm. for a, a customer or a financial customer to understand. And it's really the role of the intermediary or the advisor to help the customer to understand those products better and to perhaps go into the points that Tyler is making around whether that type of product can really deliver a return that is still a good financial return whilst taking into account the impact of that investment on people and planet. And, and it's that debate that is going to happen more and more at the advisor level as opposed to at the level of the product house developing the product. Yeah, great point. And, and if we look at the U.S., there's been quite a bit of news coming out of the U.S. at the moment. What can we glean from that? Yeah, I mean, the discussion in the U.S. is complicated by politics. Yeah. So the right do not want the money of investors and savers to be weaponized to coerce corporations to abide by what they consider to be a PC agenda. So yep. they, particularly there is a concern about fossil fuel companies being boycotted. And, and one, you know, one can debate that and cynically one could say that that's very much tied up with political donations. Um, you know, we see a similar pattern in South Africa with the political incoherence that we have in relation to our own decarbonization strategies. There was an excellent article in the Daily Maverick this morning actually touching on this point um, and around the backwards and forwards around whether we should be closing coal-fueled power stations or not. But interestingly, particularly in the U.S., despite all this noise, it's not affecting the capital flows into the asset and wealth management industry. There was a PwC report last year which surveyed this industry worldwide, and it forecast that in the U.S. alone, assets under management where ESG factors were integral to investment decision-making were more than double from 2021 to 2026. So it's a trend that's very much... I don't even like to call it a trend, but it's a trend that's very much here to stay and therefore something that advisors who are the, the link or the, 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 the front line of dealing with financial customers, it's, it's something that they would have to take into account. And if we move to South Africa, we've obviously had for quite a while when it comes to pension funds, we've had uh, like pretty stringent requirements for socially responsible um, investing. Um, and, you know, so let's delve into the law at the moment in SA. What does it actually say about this? Sure. So as early as 2011, 
um, Regulation 28 of the Pension Funds Act was amended to incorporate the fiduciary duty of funds and their directors. So as early as 2011, the Regulation 28 of the Pension Funds Act was amended to incorporate the fiduciary duty of funds and their directors to adopt um, socially responsible investment approaches that promote and give consideration to any factor which may materially affect the sustainable long-term performance of a fund's assets. And these would include, or the considerations would include, um, that of an ESG nature. The purpose of the amendment was actually set out in the discussion paper of the National Treasury, where it reasoned that ESG matters are expected to impact the long-term performance of any invested asset and should thus be explicitly assessed when conducting the due diligence of an asset. Um, the National Treasury also added that failure to do so would mean under or overestimating the expected returns of the asset. And so, yes, ESG for pension funds has always been in, has been in place for some time already. But in relation to financial services providers, there is no explicit law which imposes this mandatory duty on financial service providers and their representatives to take ESG factors into account when advising their clients. However, arguably, we um, think that these duties do exist in existing legislation, which incorporate the duty to consider these ESG factors. So the General Code of Conduct, also known as Board Notice 80, provides that financial service providers and their representatives must, in order to provide appropriate advice, render services in accordance with a client's reasonable requests and, and, and instructions, whilst having due regard to the interests of clients, which must also be accorded appropriately over any interest of the financial service provider. Accordingly, what is apparent from South African regulatory laws relating to FSPs is that they must furnish suitable advice by ensuring that the financial services and products provided to the clients are appropriate in relation to and, and, and having regard to the interest, needs and objectives of the clients. Brilliant. But there have been some recent regulations. Does that actually move it forward a little bit more? Yeah, so there has been some um, development in terms of the COFI bill, which is the Conduct of Financial Institutions bill. Um, the latest version was published in 2020. And in the bill, it confirms the existing principles applicable to FSPs and their representatives. Um, however, the ambit of the bill will apply, will apply to financial institutions in general, which is, has a much broader definition. The bill provides that when providing financial products and services, financial institutions must ensure that these products and services are appropriate, are appropriate excuse me, for the targets or impacted financial customers. Kofi also provides that financial institutions must monitor and review the suitability of their products and services on an ongoing basis. So the obligation won't just end with financial service providers and reps, but it will go a bit further to other financial institutions. And you can see the introduction of the um, essentiality or the essentialness of the um, financial products and services that have to be promoted and provided to their clients. Fair to say that there's still a bit of uncertainty out there, though. Yes, I mean, I think the issue is that this, there's not a mandatory, clear duty mm -hmm. on financial service providers in South Africa. Um, there, there are these duties that Talia has been describing, and of course, Kofi, I think, does take the matter a little bit further mm -hmm. once, it's, once it will hopefully be promulgated later this year. But generally, South Africa has followed the European Union and the UK for many aspects of financial sector regulation, and so it's for us, it's important to, to look to developments in the EU and UK to see 
if they if they give us an indication as to how this uncertainty may be resolved in the South African context. So the consumer duty, for example, in the UK is very similar to the TCF outcomes, which underpin the FSCA's principles-based conduct regulation in South Africa. And in the EU, if we look at MIFID, which is the Markets and Financial Instruments Directive, um, and it's the foundation of financial legislation for the financial sector in in the Euro- in the European Union. That method, method two, has recently been amended in line with the EU action plan to bring sustainability considerations into the financial sector. And in terms of those amendments, an advisor in the European Union, when assessing a client's suitability for an investment, will need to discuss with the client their sustainability preferences. Now, if if that duty were to to filter through into the South African context, it would certainly, it would be in line with the principles that already exist in South African legislation, but it would be clarifying that uncertainty and making what is perhaps a, a general duty more specific and, and mandatory for financial services providers. Yeah, understood. And, and just to bring it back in conclusion to the needs of both the client and the advisor in South Africa, um, in your view, what needs to happen to ensure a better matching of those client values with the advice given? This is a difficult area because it, and it essentially will require advisors to upskill. Yeah. So asset managers and product houses or financial product suppliers in South Africa are perhaps further along this path. And 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 they they have already done a lot of work and a lot of capacity building in this space in order to ensure that they can create sustainable products that, that can be sold in the market and also that they can ensure that ESG is integrated into their investment decision making. So that, that work has, I think, already started happening and, and that part of the industry is quite well evolved. And I think that that part of the industry has a role to play in imparting knowledge and upskilling the intermediaries or the advisors who essentially sell their products and services to their end consumers. And this principle is also in line with the developments we see coming through in Kofi around the need for a product supplier to ensure that its distribution channel is appropriately educated around the product and able to talk to the consumer around the product. And I think that the sustainability aspects of a product are are similarly dealt with in this way, or should similarly be dealt with in this way. And this evolution shouldn't be a surprise to advisors mm-hmm. because it's, as we said, you know, in the beginning of this conversation, it's very much in line with um, in line with the times and with the trends and the emerging evolution that we're seeing in among both consumers and the financial sector itself and ensuring that advisors are able to have those discussions with their clients essentially means that advisors are in the the best possible position to give good advice to their clients or, or suitable or appropriate advice to their clients to use the the wording from the legislation that talia was referring to mm. At the moment, advisors must undertake continuous professional development and specific product training to give advice to their clients. And arguably, this isn't really any different. Advisors need to ensure that they're knowledgeable about the sustainability aspects of the various investment products that they recommend to their clients so that they can exercise the necessary due care and skill when providing their advice. They don't necessarily need to wait for legislation to make this mandatory they could do that in preparation now. Yeah, very well put. Uh, Jessica, Talia, thanks very much. Some really important points there for you know the readers of Business Day and the financial sector 
as a whole. And, and thanks for putting it and encapsulating it so well. Thanks very much. Some important developments unpacked. Thank you. Thanks for having us.